The bass is thumping. That means it's time for DLC. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks out there who's using the show as motivation to get you through a workout or a run. We're there for you. We got an hour and a half of gaming goodness coming up because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, and it's delivered the way we like it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Casper, Meta CDN, and Hover. They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC is the show all about gaming in its many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis... The guy who is warming up the barbecue for 4th of July weekend already, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hey, Christian. What's up, Jeff? How are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I had a nice, relaxing weekend. Uh, I went up to Lake Tahoe with my family for my mom's birthday, and uh, I had a, had a really nice time. I'm refreshed, rejuvenated after uh, E3 week, and now I'm ready to jump back in, get back on the horse. So you were playing your Vita, I guess, then? Uh, I don't know if you know, there, there aren't any games for that. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was playing uh, some mobile games. We'll get to that eventually. Cool. But we do have to uh, introduce our guest because DLC, as you know, is your downloadable Kanata and it's your downloadable Christian. But this week we're excited because DLC, once again, stands for David Loves Cheapness because we have the owner of Cheap Ass Gamer, Cheapy D himself, Mr. David Abrams, is back. Hey, David, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back for the whole show yeah, this man. time. Yeah, we're excited. We, we, a lot of people were very disappointed that, that uh, we didn't have you on for an entire episode last time. So uh, we're glad to have you back. And we'll, we'll be talking lots of Batman goodness and all kinds of great stuff. Uh, but we do need to start the show how we always do. And that's with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag on Twitter, that's DLCSOTW for Story of the Week, or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Some fun discussion there of the episodes as well, so I suggest you check it out. Some cool folks talking cool stuff. David, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. Uh, a lot of negativity this week at Post <laughs> right. three, but hmm. what, what would I, you consider your story of the week? I think we're going to turn a negative into a positive. Uh, let's <laughs> okay, talk like about uh, Batman Arkham Knight and the problems that it's been having on the PC. I think that's a great idea. We, uh, we will definitely be talking a lot about that game during the playlist segment because we've all been playing it. But uh, it certainly made news this week because... Uh, came out on certain platforms, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and kind of came out on PC? Um, kind of not. Yeah, evidently, uh, massive problems with the PC version. I was actually planning to buy it on PC and then got wind of, of these things and changed my plans to getting it on the PS4. Uh, and now it looks like you can't buy it on PC. It's so bad that Warner Brothers stopped selling it through Steam. Um, it has an unstable frame rate, even though it is locked at only 30 frames per second. That evidently drops during a lot of the driving sections. There are numerous glitches and problems. There are graphical errors. And evidently this this 
PC port was outsourced to a, a different company. Uh, Rocksteady didn't handle it themselves, but evidently they have now come to terms with the fact that they need to have hands-on with it and are issuing uh, patches and more to come. So what's your take on this, David? Are you, are you, uh, is this just another in a long line of games that come out broken, or what's your take? Well, I have it on PC, and I've been playing it on PC. Um, oh. I'm one of the few people who are actually able to play it. And I, maybe it's just because I have enough hardware to play it. I can just power through the bad optimization. You have your server room set up to run uh, Batman. <laughs> I, I'm not joking. I had a friend come over the other day and he walked into my office and he's like, oh, what kind of server is this? And I was like, no, that's, that's my gaming PC. Well, it's helpful to have an actual bat cave to play the Batman game with. Apparently you need it because I've been looking on the forums and it's, it looks like the, the people, some people are able to play it, but you have to have, you know, at least $500 in graphics cards to play it. Um, <laughs> and even still it's missing. It's just, like you said, it's missing some features. There's just, there's, there's bugs. They did a horrible job. There's, they've already released one patch for the PC version and that brought back some of the, some of the graphics features that they forgot to put in. Um, so <laughs> like it's rain? The, well, there was a rain effect. The rain was in there, but there was some effect that was not. And so they added that and they, and they added uh, ambient occlusion. I have no idea what that is. And I don't even know Sounds if I said though. it right, but I got the first letter of each word right. I know that. <laughs> um, but it looks amazing. On, when I'm playing it, I'm not having any problems. It looks ridiculous. And yeah, we'll talk about the game itself later. But I think what it shows you is that they don't sell a lot of copies on PC. And they, so they just outsource that version to another uh, studio. And they sort of just, you know, whap, wash their hands of it until <laughs> it comes out like this. And then they have to get involved. Yeah. Um, Christian, I'm, I'm expecting you to go on another Spicer-esque rant about broken games. Or is it to the point now where you just like you can't you don't even have the will to go? On <laughs> I've been beaten down too many times. It's really it's really tough because, you know, there is the, the, the PC gamer. If you want the superior version of the game, get the PC version. And it's true so often. But I almost wonder, is it 60 40 at this point or almost 50 50 where? The PC version, because like David said, maybe they're not selling enough, so they don't put the time in to optimize it properly. Or is the what oftentimes seems ridiculous certification process where you see indie devs, you know, complaining and moaning that they thought their game would be out and it's taking forever to get out. You know, does that actually help with some of these games because they can't release as broken of a game or game missing effects because at least someone looks at it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> right. I mean, console what, what games still mean? come out broken. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't understand. I just don't get it. And um, this was done. I think the, the port was mostly handled by um, uh, the dive kick team. Um, oh, is that uh, true? I, yeah. Whatever that developer is. Iron something, right? Iron galaxy, something like that. Or no, yeah, no that's I, yeah. Iron galaxies. That's what, that's correct. Yeah. And they have and a, supposedly you know, there was only twelve people working on it, which people are saying is low. I don't know. I think we can read into a lot of things, but, the, but what I was gonna say is just it just is odd. And I guess is it because PC you don't need that certification, you can just put anything out. I just don't and I know if Space Bob is listening, his development's hard. I just <laughs> I don't I don't understand. It'd be like if I sent both of you guys an email and then it was I just didn't include half the words in one of the... I just don't understand how... Isn't it copy and paste largely? I don't know. Jeff, do you, does this make sense to you? Like, how do you how do, you do this? 
Well, if if something is written for a very specific architecture, and but they're the same, is, right? Wait, what do you mean? What is, what's Aren't, the same? I mean, isn't Xbox essentially just a PC that's a quarter of the power of David's uh, PC? But they're all <laughs> well, the same. I mean, they're all the same, so they don't have to. They don't have to make it work on like my PC that looks like a server and somebody's PC from eight years ago. Well, not eight years right. ago, but. They can write to a very specific GPU and they know exactly, you know, what, what system is, is running this and what other stuff is going on with that system you know, they don't, running PC games is very difficult because there's a whole wide range of things that are going to run them. Um, And it's not a one-to-one comparison. It's much easier than it used to be. That's for certain, but uh, it's certainly not one-to-one. And the thing that I find baffling about this is, you know, the studio puts their heart and soul into creating a game that, that, that clearly is a labor of love, uh, and they outsource this, and then nobody takes the time to sort of check it out before signing off. You know, I don't know how that process works either, but boy, I thought you got it. I thought you got it. I thought you got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you going to look at that? No. Oh, no. There's great <laughs> stuff in the chat. Control C, Batman. Control V, Batman. and uh, ed you're a bocus porting is not just saving for web on photoshop (laughs) i just love that idea it's like we got the game done and now save as xbox one save as ps4 (laughs) you you laugh but i think that's the goal with windows 10 i think the goal is that it's going to be very very simple to create games for windows 10 versus xbox one and i think you know, that's that's the dream of a lot of these engines like Unity and, and some of these other things where porting things back and forth, it, it really isn't about porting. It's about a one architecture that or one you know series of commands that work a- across all the devices. So I think the industry is working towards that. But, you know, this is an example of how that doesn't work. And um, boy, it's it, that's it's rough for a game that it has been anticipated like this was already delayed. And I think a lot of people are were excited that it was coming out day and date on PC. I mean, the alternative is the kind of thing that Rockstar does, which is, yeah, we'll turn our attention to the PC version that because of rampant piracy, because of uh, just different buying patterns, because of the audience in general, is is a lower priority to us than the console version, is a lower profit margin than the console version. We'll turn our attention to that, but it'll be a year or two later. Um so, you know, you, you kind of – it's a double-edged sword. You want the, the studio that made the game working on it, you might have to wait and get the game much later. Yeah, it's tough. I mean it, it's interesting too because we certainly say it on this show, you know, don't pre-order games. You don't need to pre-order games. But like when this the PC version of this came out, you saw it on a couple of other bigger sites again. Like yet another reminder not to pre-order games. But then you scale back, you know, you time machine that site and like two weeks ago it's – OMG, Batman's going to be crazy. <laughs> Y'all need to play this. Here's our Amazon affiliate link to buy it. It's just like this weird, because it's tough, right? Because it's easy to say, just wait. But people that most of the people that listen to this show are pretty into games and you want to be part of that zeitgeist and you've been hyped for this game for a while. And this isn't even not even pre-ordering a game. This is don't even get a game until it can potentially be spoiled for you. And, and you miss out on content thanks. too, because you miss out on that pre-order content that they have. Yeah, well, they say that they're going to include that at some point as part of the the season pass. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What did you get? What was the PC version bonuses? Did it come with everything? Anything? Nothing? I don't even know. <laughs> Dude, I, I bought it off of one of those gray market sites, you know, like those those shady uh, game key sites. 
Oh, is that why yours works? They fixed it before I, they released it? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I, I paid $36 and I got the game and the season pass. So I'm not complaining. They could take a couple of weeks to, to, to iron out the bugs. Uh, Dude, you are not just the feel... owner of, of Cheap Ass Gamer. You are also a client. That is, and... that is living your ethos right there, right? <laughs> but you know what? I don't even feel bad about it because, the, you know, look at the game. It's broken for a yeah. lot of people. And so I don't feel bad about, you know, I don't know where this code came from, a back of a truck in the Ukraine or something. I don't know. But it was, <laughs> it was super cheap. How could I say we have no? Batman. We have plenty Batman codes. They fell off track. Uh, you want uh, it for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, give anybody a hard time for, for saving some money in any way they can with, uh, you know, with games coming out the way they are. But you sort of take your chances with those too because sometimes those codes can be a, a racket because they yeah. sell the same code to 27 different people or whatever, you know. Yeah, 36 bucks though I was willing to... to to cut my losses if it uh, worked out poorly for me. Uh, all right, Christian, what is your uh, story of the week? And we're going to stick on this sort of PR nightmare train. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there is one. There is definitely um, destiny has had a problem. So I want to bring it up in part because of, you know, it's the mark from marketing is very busy. I, I feel like post E3 going around giving lectures to everybody on how to effectively market your game, which is just stay on message. <laughs> but so Destiny, the Taken King is its next big expansion, which is September something. Um, and it's launching for 40 bucks if you have the thing or you can buy the whole game plus the original two expansions plus this Taken King I think for $80 that also came with exclusive shaders and things you couldn't get other ways. And then Luke Smith went out and, and gave an interview that he has since apologized for and said some really um, idiotic things, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. I can't explain why it happened. Tired or misspoke or was overly honest or, <laughs> or whatnot. And he said some things that really angered the community. Um, and it kind of felt like... <laughs> To me, I don't know if you guys read it, but it kind of felt like um, overly honest where they were aware of their community and that they have a very dedicated, hardcore community. And it was kind of like, yeah, we can do this and you'll buy it, <laughs> which is on some level true. It's kind of like the NFL with the Sunday ticket. Yeah, we know you just want your team, but guess what? You're going to pay us $400 and you're going to get the Browns too, <laughs> like, uh, which is frustrating for you know everyone that hates the Browns. Um, yeah, the idea is that the, the the only way to get these extra three emotes that are part of the game now post Taken King is to buy the collector's edition of the original game and its expansions. So if you already own the game, they're asking you to spend $80 to rebuy the first game plus the $40. You know, the $80 is wrapped up in a, the 80 is the 40 that you would get the expansion for. So it's, it's 40 extra dollars for buying content you already own. Uh, and in an interview, somebody said, Hey, isn't that kind of lame for people that, you know, already own the game and don't need to rebuy that con content. And Luke said, evidently was quoted as saying, uh, yeah, but if you saw those emotes, you'd be throwing your money at the screen. Have you seen those emotes? You'd be throwing your money at the screen. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, in poor taste and I think it infuriated a lot of people who are saying like, well, I don't, I don't want you to just take my money because you can, uh, but go ahead, Christian. I didn't mean to, I just wanted to clarify the, the Oh, sure. Context. Yeah. Sorry. I was kind of just talking around the, the actual interview, but they've yeah. now, he apologized and it felt heartfelt and earnest, at least to me. 
Um, and they're offering, Bungie is offering the items as separate DLC, but it's $20, which seems like horse armor pricing for, you know, a little bit of content for a lot of money. Um, but the question that I kind of have is, I don't think anyone's addressed it, is let's say I own Destiny, Vanilla Destiny, and I've enjoyed it, but I haven't, fin- air quote, finished the all all of the content, the content on the disc. So I haven't bought either of the first two downloadable content passes or whatever expansions but i want to play the taken king because it sounds interesting to me because of the horde mode i don't know if there's a way for me to do that without buying the first two dlc packs or spending 80 dollars on this re-release of the game and from what i've read and what i understand and maybe jeff or david you guys know more than i do but i feel like they want to be this quote-unquote mmo model or you know keeping people interested with these big expansions but they haven't learned how those games do that. We're like, wow. That's exactly how those games do that. But they get everybody. You don't need to play. I don't need um, Demon King to play Panda Furry Time. You know what I mean? Like when you buy. Yeah, you Panda, do. I thought you got yes, it automatically. No. Really? Uh, I mean, the, the, the way they have changed WoW subsequently is that you can buy. You get everything for a low, low price of like five bucks. But those the, the expansion prior to the current expansion is required to play the current expansion. And what Blizzard started doing is giving all that stuff away with the sort of base game. So you can get all the way up to speed. And they were even bundling a lot of that stuff with Panda or Mists of Pandaria or um, Warlords of Draenor, you know, that those more modern expansions, because there's so many of them, but that's par for the course with MMOs. If in order to play the current content, you got to play the, the content we've already put out. It's, it's progressive. Right. Mm, I always just thought maybe because I never really dove in, I always thought that was included with the purchase price of the newest um, pass or whatever. Otherwise, that's frustrating because then I don't know how it keeps people that maybe lapsed for a little bit to dive back in because I'm interested in Taken King. I'm maybe even interested for $40, but I'm not interested for 80 They have a $60 version. Oh, okay. Never mind then. But then you don't get those the emotes. emotes. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I honestly, mean, I didn't think that the, the that Luke Smith was that bad in the interview. I think, you know, he sort of wrapped up in the whole culture of it as well. You know, except he's on the side where he's, you know, he's more his team is more rah 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 all day long, right? About about Destiny. You think like the fans are into it? Imagine the people who are making the game. So, like in his mind, like that doesn't sound so bad when you say, "Oh, you're going to throw your money at the screen." I mean, regarding the economics of actually putting together these expansions, that's a whole nother story. And, and the pricing, that's that's another issue. I didn't think he came off that badly, but apparently a lot of people did. Well, I agree with you, actually. I mean, I, I know Luke a little bit, um, you know, from the one of yours days and stuff. And and, you know, he's a he's a pretty vocal advocate for for, uh, you know, players in general and, and value. And I think his apology actually speaks volumes to that he says if i you know if i read that as a person who wasn't working in the industry i would think this you know that i was kind of being a jerk and and i i believe when he had that change of heart but i also agree with you that one way to read what he said is hey you're going to look at this thing that we were making and say it is so worth my money that i want to pay for it he's going to he's basically just justifying the fact that this is worth money in his eyes so I can understand how it's read both ways and I can understand people getting upset, but, you know, and I also kind of 
give him a lot of credit for coming out and making a genuine apology, not the kind of apologies we often see, which is sort of, hey, if I offended you, then I'm, then I'm sorry. He, he basically said, yeah, I, re- I could read that and see how you guys think, and I think you're right. Um, I think m- the more pressing matter is, you know, we just don't have a – and I think, David, you're the perfect person to have on about this because your, your site is all about value. Uh, we don't have a – sort of set idea of what is worth what there's no nothing in gaming we have this $60 price point for a boxed thing but we've sort of progressed beyond boxed things and there's just no clear idea there's stuff that comes out on iPad that's worth a lot and is only $2 and there's you know it has a lot of content and then there's stuff that isn't very much content and is $10 and $5 and $30 it's just so wild and all over the place that I think people are just bewildered at what is value for this digital material? I mean, do you have any opinion about that as somebody well, who's, who's all about value? You know, they're still figuring it out, I think, in a lot of ways. And and if you look at what's going on on consoles, they still really haven't, you know, there's some free-to-play games there, right? But there, it's not nothing on the level of PC. They're still trying to figure all this stuff out, like what it's worth. And I think in Destiny's case, the people who are playing it are so hooked, right? I mean, it's another level. It's not just... You know, as good as uh, games are, like Batman and, and other things, this is a game, it's, it's trying to hook you like an MMO. And they've done that to a lot of people. And I think they've said, hey, we've got these people on the hook. We can put this content out there at a premium price. And I bet you people would buy it and not think that they're getting ripped off. I'm sure, De- I'm sure uh, Bungie is not sitting in there rubbing their hands together, thinking about how they can rip off the people who love their game. They're thinking about, you know... How they, of course, make money, but also deliver stuff that people want. So it's worth what you're willing to pay for it, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and I think these Destiny fans are willing to pay probably uh, more than what other people would pay. Yeah, I think that's probably very true. And I think as if we as an audience are just willing to pay whatever is asked, then that's what we'll get. That's what we'll get. We deserve the world we get. What? Because <laughs> I know I don't have any games that I've play, that I'm playing now where I've put in 150 hours into it. I just I picture the bungee offices and like they're in a meeting room planning their next DLC. And the conference room is really chilly, so they're all rubbing their hands together talking about it. And they're like, "Wait, no, we can't do this. This looks <laughs> awful. It looks like we're rubbing our hands together trying to figure out how to rip people off." <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I'm like 300 hours into Heroes of the Storm, right? And, and, or more at this point, I don't even know. But, uh, and, and I, you know, I'm buying stupid stuff for stupid prices. I'm, I'm buying a skin of a character for 375 because it's on sale this week and it's usually $6, you know? And I'm like, oh, value, it's on sale this week. When, if it was 375 all the time, I would be like, I'm not going to pay 375 for that. But because it's on sale this week, uh, and, and I recognize I'm a sucker. But but I do I get a lot of joy out of that skin. I get a lot of joy out of that mount that I'm riding around on. So, you know. And the game is free also, which goes a long way to make me feel like I can throw three six bucks a week at this thing, which is what I tend to do. Yeah, but it shows right, you there's right. nothing really like that on console where it's just right. the hours just pile up like that. It's true. And I think people are trying to make that game right now. There's so many games at E three that were trying to be you know, there was such this bifurcation at E3 between the the really focused, really high quality narrative experience games, which are, are still really fun and really awesome, and and I think are very exciting on the horizon. And then there's this other huge side 
of gaming, which is this endless replayability, no narrative at all, uh, multiplayer focused games that are sort of the children of MOBA scene or the children of RTS, you know, if you want to go farther back, but that create a, uh, a bottomless pit of time suck, you know, and, and I think both of those things are competing for your leisure time and your dollar, and both of them have very different ways of delivering their content. You know, most of the the latter category are free to try and and want to hook you on the the gameplay loop. So it's a very interesting time for the industry, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I want to mention another thing while we're still on the topic of Destiny because uh, there was another bit of weird PR marketing business with destiny recently with their uh buy a red bull and get a code (laughs) for some stuff um which is odd but you know these things happen these deals happen and i guess people are upset that you have to buy a red bull certainly not my favorite drink in the world but i love the positive side of this story is i love how the folks at techland handled (laughs) their response uh they're the makers of dying light which is a game that Christian and I both talked about on the show as not really loving, but I happen to really love how they handled this. They came out with a, a promotion to drink water, drink water. And if you tweet pictures of yourself <laughs> drinking water uh, with their hashtag, uh, which is drink for DLC, which by the way, is what I do every Monday to get ready for this show. <laughs> um they're going to release uh, free content. So the more people that will unlock, uh, the more pictures that you tweet of yourself drinking water with uh, with that hashtag uh, that will add up to unlocking free downloadable content. I think it's a publicity stunt and kind of fun piggybacking on what Destiny is doing. But kudos to them for being clever. Um, what do you think about this, David? I think it's great. I think it's yeah. fun to, I mean, it's, there's nothing, uh, mean spirited about it, I think. And no one's going to certainly complain about getting free content. So it's all good. Yeah. Fun stuff. I think, uh, you know, I love when people can poke fun at each other in a, in a sort of lighthearted way. And I think this is cool. Like, yeah, drink water. <laughs> I love it. Fight zombies. <laughs> you need to be hydrated. Meanwhile, if all you have to do is buy a Red Bull to get some DLC, that's like the cheapest DLC ever. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's sadly true. Um, But my actual story of the week, I want to pick something a little more positive if I can, you know, because this week it just seemed like post E3 where we were all flying high. It just felt like story after story was uh, people screwing things up and (laughs) everybody unhappy. Uh, So this isn't a story for this week, but it's a story that I want to prepare you for for next week or the week this week coming up. If you're hearing this before July 1st, uh, get excited because the full behind closed doors demo of Uncharted 4 is going to be streamed on Twitch. This is more of a public service announcement than anything else because I think <laughs> I saw it. I don't know. Did did either of you see it? No. At E3? Um, it's incredible. And uh, I think a lot of people were reading people's descriptions of it. I know uh, Greg Miller did like a live action <laughs> role playing version of it where he was trying to act it out. Uh, I've described it to numerous people. It's truly one of the coolest action sequences I've ever seen in any medium. It just goes and goes and goes. And the little bit they showed at the press conference is just the beginning. It It's stunning. And, you know, I, I had uh, dinner with some of the guys from Naughty Dog and they were talking about how it, it really is being played. That's all being played in real time. So it's not, it's not a cut scene. It's not something you're not interacting with. You have options of things you can do during the scene. 
even in the later parts of the scene where there's these this crazy sequence jumping between trucks, you can jump between different trucks. The the ones that they do in the video are just what they did that time. Um, and there's a motorcycle sequence. It's it's really really wonderful, and it makes me very excited for the game. So um, get excited for that. It'll be on Twitch on July first. I guess 11 a.m. Pacific time is when they're doing that at uh, Twitch.tv/slash Naughty Dog. I'm not being an advertisement for them. But I was blown away by it. And um, Where do you come to- down on game spoilers or game trailers versus, I know movie trailers, Jeff, you are, you know, hashtag unsullied. But game, yeah. you're, you're <laughs> saying everybody needs to watch this? Well, here's the thing. At that dinner uh, that I had with some of the Naughty Dog folks, I said, uh, guys, tell me this isn't the coolest part of the game. Tell me they didn't just show me the best action sequence in the game. And they were like, no, 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 no. And of course, that's what they would say. They're working on. Yeah, they're the game. all like, uh, mm, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's the here's the difference for me, uh, and the reason I am unsullied in movie experiences as much as possible. First of all, the time that I spend with each of those different media is wildly different. Right, I'm spending two hours, two and a half hours tops with a with a movie. I'm spending eight hours, ten hours sometimes way more than that, getting the story of the video game. So there's a proportional amount of, of spoilage. But even even there, the difference is the way video game trailers are, come out, they don't show you the three-act structure of the game. Movie trailers, they do. They're showing you a little bit from the beginning, a little bit from the middle, and a little bit from the end. And they want to give you the entire arc of the story. And I don't understand why that's the case. It really pisses me off. But a gameplay trailer is one tiny moment, two in a minutes, maybe less, of a section that I'm going to play and I'm going to have some agency. I'm going to have some decision-making inside that process. So it's not going to play out exactly the same. I'm going to be involved in deciding how that goes. It's apples and oranges for me movies to video games and that's why i don't consider video game stuff nearly as spoilery nearly as problematic as a average movie trailer are you a trailer guy david or do you uh consume everything or try to do a blackout like if there's a game you want do you dive in and watch everything or do you kind of stay away from it i used to do that i stopped doing that a long time ago i I usually don't watch much these days i used to read every preview all that stuff but i always would get disappointed so i just uh I go in pretty blind now. Same with with movies. If there's a movie that I know I'm going to see, I'm I probably not going to watch the trailer. Yeah, yeah. For for games, for Jeff, I try to avoid it too. And I understand what you're saying about oftentimes game trailers don't spoil the story. Like there are a few things, and obviously for this show, I will watch things and consume things. And at E3, you go to see things. But sometimes I feel like um, you well, it doesn't give away the plot using an Uncharted 3 moment, it will give away not the best action scene, but an awesome moment of the plane coming down or something like that. And I think if you're able to experience that in the moment, for me, that's a richer experience. It doesn't ruin the game by any stretch of the imagination. And I think people that, you know, love watching the clips over and over and over again, they obviously still enjoy the game too. But I just love, you know, stumbling through the desert, getting onto this plane and then having it all go bananas uh, it's, it's such a cool moment when that's able to happen for the first time for you on your awesome TV or whatever, not on your phone as you're in the doctor's office. <laughs> right. 
Well, I agree. I mean, and, and uh, Shred Alex in the chat says, uh, imagine if you didn't know the car chase and action sequences were coming, wouldn't you be surprised and enjoy it that much more? Yes. Yes. I, I, you know, if I didn't know that Uncharted sequence was coming at all and it just came out of nowhere, yeah, I, I would be thrilled. I just don't think it's it's nearly as disruptive to my overall enjoyment as the average movie trailer. Sure. And, I mean, you know, watch, I, the, I, watch the Fantastic Four trailer. And I mean, it's the I, movie. I won't. It's yeah. legit the entire movie except for the end credits. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, man. I I saw – I mean this is totally tangential and we should move on. But I saw this ad for a, um, uh, this new animated movie about a foosball team that comes to life. <laughs> and they literally show everything. It, it is the three-act – and I never watch trailers anymore. But I watched that because I was like, I don't care about this one. Was, <laughs> but, uh, oh, man. Who watch likes old foosball? movie trailers. They, they're really long. Oh, oh yeah, 30, 30 years too. ago, 40 years ago. But are yeah. they, do they describe the three acts? Like pretty much it's, Oh really? Hmm. That's just worse. Usually with a, uh, like a voiceover announcer telling you exactly what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, and then the, his sled is Rosebud. It's exactly, it's exactly like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, let's take a little break and uh, thank our sponsor, who is Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses, and they offer them at a fraction of the price. Uh, this is super cool. Usually, when you want to buy a mattress, you can go to a mattress store, and you walk around, and you look at a bunch of mattresses. They all look the same. Uh, the guy there is going, he's working on commission, and he's like, hey, man, you should try this mattress. And you go, okay, and you lay down on it, and you lay there for like 12 seconds, and you're like, oh, that seems pretty comfy. And then you walk over to the other one. He's like, well, I'll try this one. You lay it on that one. You're like, eh, I guess this one's pretty comfy. But 12 seconds of lying on mattresses at the store is not going to communicate whether or not you're going to have a restful night of sleep. And they're super expensive. So if you buy it, you haul it home, you got to set it up and do it all yourself. It's a pain and you're not going to want to return it if you don't like it. Ah, that's where Casper is better. Casper gives you time with your mattress a hundred days of time where you can relax you can have full nights of sleep you can sleep on it for weeks and decide whether or not it's the mattress for you they deliver it to your house it's super easy it comes in a slick package that makes it simple to set up and if you don't like it after a hundred days they'll come to your house and pick it up you don't have to worry about anything Plus, Casper mattresses are less expensive than your average mattress, which can cost well over $1,500. But Casper mattresses cost between $500 and $950 for the giant size ones. So you're saving money. They're super comfortable. I've used a Casper mattress myself. They're super comfortable. They're easy to move around. And it's such a simple process to get it, to try it, to see if you like it. And if you don't like it, they'll come and take it away for you. You don't have to worry about packaging it back up or anything. The best part is because you listen to this show, we're going to hook you up with a deal. Casper.com slash DLC, that's C-A-S-P-E-R.com slash DLC, and putting in the promo code DLC at checkout, you get 50 bucks toward the purchase of any mattress. That's pretty great. So check it out. See if you like it. See if you, you know, too many people sleep on crappy mattresses. This, this weekend, I was up at this cabin, and man, not sleeping on my home mattress made me so sore every day. It was such a bad bed. If only they had Casper to help them out. Casper.com slash DLC, that promo code DLC, get yourself 50 bucks off and let them know that you heard about it here so they keep supporting our show. 
Uh, Christian, did you have any other stories that you wanted to bring up for Story of the Week? I know there was a couple other things you threw in here. Well, just that Drive Club PS Plus version is out, um, which is more just, uh, I guess that's a good story because, hey, it's out. Um, and also, like, ooh. <laughs> Oops. Um, but it's out to download, and it's, uh, you know, 13 tracks in India, which is one of the six, I think, locations. I mean, it's, I think it's more of a demo uh, feeling than when they, what they kind of promised when they announced it 20 years ago. But for people that, <laughs> that have slept on Drive Club, it launched horribly. But it is a, in, in my opinion, one of the best racers. That and Horizon 2 are probably the two best racers out right now. And they're, they're different, obviously. One's open world and one is very linear progressing um, through unlocking tracks, whatever, whatever, whatever. But if you slept on Drive Club and you, you're <clears throat> a little curious about it, the PS Plus version is out. Check it out. And if you like it, I'm sure you can find the game for... 10 bucks somewhere or something like that. I don't know if either of you, did you ever check it out, David? I know you're a car guy. Yeah, I, I checked it out. I was not a big fan of it. Uh, so I, I'm a Forza horizon guy. I think horizon two is like one of the best games in recent memory for sure. I think it wipes the floor with drive club, but that's, that's my opinion. Well, they're totally, yeah, they're very like, they're similar in that they're both driving, but very different games like uh, drive club. You're in a menu after every three minutes Forza, I don't you like are, that. you're divorced after 450 hours, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Forza's like, oh, the car game again? The engine noise turned all the way off, uh, all the way up? <laughs> yeah, but that was kind of the other, the only other big thing that I wanted to mention, Jeff. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's get to Batman. He doesn't like to, he doesn't like to wait, Mr. Batman. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's get right to the playlist. Ooh, what you playing this week? Tell us. Ooh, what you playing this week? Batman Arkham Knight. It came out this week, as we talked about before. Uh, we've all been playing it. I know, David, you've been playing a ton of it. So tell me what your take is on this uh, massive release. I think they did uh, a great job. And have you played the last? Have you played Origins? Uh, Christian played all through Origins. I played a little of it and and did not uh, keep, okay. keep with it. But, you know, I'm a I'm an Arkham fan from... From the original games, I played uh, all the other Arkham games. Uh, Origins is the only one I did not complete. So right before this one came out, I went back and played Origins just to see like if it's really going to be that big of a difference. Because you forget after a while, so you gotta you have to go back and check. Right. And it is a huge difference. I mean, just just the visuals alone, the the amount of detail that they put into the city, the verticality of the game. It just seems like there's a lot more tall buildings that you can scale, uh, and just swoop around for just seems like forever once you get the proper upgrades uh i i love pretty much everything about it uh i even like the batmobile i just think that the guns on the batmobile are kind of it's too video gaming it just makes the game super video gamey when you could have made the batmobile without guns put some other stuff on there uh it's just guns are kind of boring for Batman, I think, and and a Batmobile sort of counter counter character as well. I mean, having having this giant tank, which is really what it is, and as you said, very video gamey in the sense of um, you know having that dash back and forth, which I, which makes it really fun. I think it's a it's a fun arcade game stuck inside this Batman universe. It's but, definitely fun. Yeah, but it doesn't really seem to fit. It's like they shoehorned this 
this fun tank game inside the Batman game that I like. Also, mm-hmm. weird, like, Batmobile platforming, which I thought was, like, odd, you know? Video gamey, super video gamey. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not but bad, some- not, 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 you know, horrible to play. I mean, still fun. Yeah, definitely fun. And, you know, all those t- tank sequences, you know, I- I've played a lot less of the game than you guys have because, I was, as I said, I was gone all weekend. But um, those tank s- sequences, I-, I really enjoy them. I used to love – there's games that that reminds me of um, that I can't even put my finger on right now. But, like, old games where, you know, battle tank games uh, that I love that I haven't really played games like that in a long time. Or it almost feels almost like Mech Warrior, you know? Um, yeah. Well, you're you know you're charging up super attacks and you're you know you're unloading lots of weaponry on on other vehicles. It just seems odd that you're inside the Batman universe doing that because Batman Batman don't really do that. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have cannons in the comic. <laughs> no, it's not canon. Not cannons are not canon. Yeah. Cannons are not canon. <laughs> only in the movies. You're right, and right. only for shooting down steel doors to get into Axis chemicals. <laughs> uh, so this is, in my opinion, not a spoiler in any way, shape, or form. But if you want to not know it, and this is literally the first time you get in the Batmobile in the game, which is very, 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 very early. But there's a moment where you get in the Batmobile and other things attack you, right? It's like in the tutorial of how to use the Batmobile. And I forget who comes in and says, uh, yeah, these uh, tanks are attacking you, but don't worry, they're unmanned. And Batman's like, perfect. And then he starts blowing them up. <laughs> like, if I'm the bad perfect. guy... So glad I had these cannons. (laughs) Yeah. If I'm the bad guy of this game, I would just start putting people in these tanks. And then all of a sudden you (laughs) win. Like, right. And don't even bother making new tanks. Just take the drones and just, you know, duct tape a dude right to the front because it's (laughs) going to get expensive. Yeah. I mean, come on. It has the same effect. Yeah. Just stick a person on there. Human shield it. Uh, What are you going to do now, Batman? What are you going to do now? There's a person. There's a person. (laughs) Throw a net on us. (laughs) That's the... (laughs) (laughs) That's the biggest thing for me that this game, and I think David said it succinctly where it's very video gamey. Like this game tells from where I am in it, a really, really awesome Batman story in a really cool Batman world and Batman tone and hashtag be the Batman. But the flip side of that is it it keeps constantly reminding you that it's a video game where you're in this awesome story, this awesome moment. And then you go to take on a Riddler challenge and, He's built like a 400 mile tunnel under the city for Batmobile platforming. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is a video game. And like there's these, yeah. this weird dichotomy. Super nice of Riddler to be to, to cooperate like that. And he's like, hey, Batman, I'm so glad you bought a car. I've been uh, working on some car riddles. <laughs> and not yeah, just no. that. Clearly, he knows the measurements of the Batmobile and <laughs> took those into account when designing everything because otherwise everything would just be falling off. But you can actually solve them. So yeah. really, good job. Yeah. Riddler. No one else in the world is he's like a uh, random, like he has a tank now. Riddler apparently knew that. Yeah. 40 years ago when he started Boston's big dig <laughs> on, under uh, <laughs> Gotham, but I'm really enjoying the game. The story I think is great. But then the other problem, air quote problem with the story is when you're a kid and you read Batman comics or whatever, you, you ask yourself, why don't all the villains just attack him at once? And then you see that when that is a game, you're kind of like, Oh, because it's totally unrealistic. And I think the biggest problem of this game, um, of, of the story in this game, is is the way they, they make it all, you know, a night, an evening. And it's the same problem that I harp on for open world games a lot, where it's like, you're in the middle of this story, you gotta go save this person, your city's about to be destroyed. 
but there are 40 hours of Riddler challenges. And I'll get, I think the best game, the game that handled this the best was Red Dead, where, you know, the timelines were still there, but the side missions didn't pull you away. I don't know why a game can't be dynamic and kind of, you know, if you're in the middle of the story quest or story feed, adjust what these side missions are. It just feels weird where I can literally have finished one big thing and the next big beat is something very important with a supposed clock on it. But I could spend the next two weeks <laughs> doing side missions. And it's all yeah. supposed to be in one 24-hour period or whatever. It's weird. I don't know. I mean, I think that's a little nitpicky in the sense of giving options to the player. It's your prerogative, right? You know, if if you are committed to the timeline of the narrative, then don't do the Riddler missions. Go do the the main story. If you're if you're wrapped up in that, it's it's your choice. And I think I would hate a game that said, "Hey, here's all this extra stuff to do, but there's a ticking clock and you by if by sunrise you haven't done the thing that we're doing, then some sort of penalty happens. You can't do it now." I want choice. I I don't mind bending the rules of the real world in a game to create something that's more fun and gives me more options. That's just my well, position. Otherwise, you get uh, Dead Rising. Right? Is that the one right. that had the clock in the mall? Dead Rising. Yes. Yeah. yeah right. Which okay. which annoyed me no end. Right? Because here's that's the perfect example, David. That's perfect because here's this playground where. It literally has this entire shopping mall of fun stuff to discover and weird things to throw on the head of zombies and kick them in the face. Uh, but tick tock, tick tock, we can't mess around with all this fun, these fun toys forever because <laughs> the narrative is asking you to be done by, you know, in 72 hours. Well, don't make me make that kind of decision and don't, I, because now I'm never having fun because I'm constantly thinking, well, am I just messing up the time thing am i going to have enough time i don't know how much of this game i need still need to do no but you fix the narrative you fix the narrative is what you do and you remove the artificial story driven concept of this is one night and you you get rid of the person saying you need to save me now as your vo and it's this person's been kidnapped or there's a i think there's a bomb placed in this thing i need to go i should go investigate it's it's it's, again it's in the narrative structure and how you frame the VO and the dialogue in the game don't don't make something sound like there is a clock if there isn't or all of this is happening. It's the TV show 24 problem, right? Where like in season one, his wife, I think, gets amnesia, um, gets a divorce, comes out of amnesia and they get remarried all within the 18 hours that a human being is awake during a day. So it's fixing the narrative structure in these games, not putting an artificial clock on it. It's, it's making it real and believable and the Arkham games, I think, consistently struggle with ever since Asylum, where they opened up the city. They're like, we want to have this playground for you to be Batman. But we really got to come up with a dumb way to get all the people out of the city so you can play. It's weird. And again, I hope I get to talk about the things I love about this game because oh, it's incredible. But this this narrative problem, I think we're too smart to not fix it as as you know gamers and people that play games. And it keeps coming up. And so I'll keep mentioning it until someone fixes it. That's all. Well. Chronopunk in the in the chat room says he thinks that Witcher Three does this well. You're looking for someone, but it's not a pressing matter. I think that I think he's right. I agree. In Witcher Three, it's like I'm, I really want to find this chick. Although it's like the flaw there is she was last seen, you know, in the one town over, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing these mini quests here, and she she'll just probably hang out still in that town where she was last seen, <laughs> you know. So there's still issues with with all of that. My bigger problem with this. Thing we're talking about is something I mentioned before with Arkham games, where I'm kind of sick of Gotham City, guys. I'm sick of it. 
it just all of these Arkham games feel the same to me. And David, you mentioned you know going back to play them just to remind yourself how different right. it is. But because it's always nighttime, because it's always Gotham City, because all of the aesthetic is the same constantly, like the city itself doesn't even really have much variety in it because it's all of this gothic, you know, architecture. And yeah, I get it. That's where Batman hangs out. But I would love for them to contrive a way for us to get Batman in some other looking environments. What what do you think about that, David? You know, I think they added enough of the lighting effects and detail into the city. It makes it feel different enough for me. Like when I'm, when I'm just, you know, I've upgraded the Batmobile so that when I launch out of that thing, it like, it's shooting me pretty high up in the sky at this point. It's just incredible. And you, you can fly around, you know, for, for really far. And it just, it feels different enough to me. I, yeah, I would like to see it in like a more colorful environment during the day, maybe, but that's not Batman's thing. Batman's you know nighttime kind of guy and dark and all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, you know, just wait for the wait for the Superman movie if you think the game is dark. Uh, yeah, right. So I, I'm I think they changed it enough. I'm I'm pretty satisfied uh, with with the environment. What do you think, yeah, Christian? I, 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 yeah, go ahead. It's an it's it's a, a oppressive game and environment. I think this one, to some extent, because it is a bigger city and bigger world and. Um, a little heavier stakes, it feels like. I mean, I don't necessarily want to see Batman running around in the daylight, but I do take a break after I've been playing for two hours or something because kind of like uh, Bloodborne did, this game weighs on me where you're in this really crappy world. Um, I mean that in the best way possible. Stunning video game world, but like, whoo, this is a this is a dirty world full of just the the most the most horrible people you know, killing and robbing and, and looting and it's raining. Um, so that that will weigh on me. It's not like playing Mario where you're kind of running around happy and bright the whole time. But that's not the Are point. Are you saying of, you get post-traumatic stress disorder from playing Batman? Is that <laughs> what you're saying? Extent, basically? I mean, I'm not trying to make light of post-traumatic stress disorder, which I have definitely 100% experienced from playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, I do. I need to unplug. It's funny because the character has that as well. You know, he has that from his childhood. <laughs> And I've hashtag been the Batman, so I guess yeah, so it's, it's really it's really you delivering it. the experience of the Batman. I guess that speaks to it, but the, it's kind of the the opposite of the uh, Assassin's Creed problem for me. It's literally the inverse. It's like Assassin's Creed. I just want to be in that world and hang out in that world, and I don't like all the crap that I have to do and how I do that crap. In Batman, I love the crap I'm doing and how I'm getting around and all that stuff and all the freedom I get and how I'm how Batman I am. But I just don't really like being in the world. I don't know. They need to get him, uh, you know, with Justice League going. Yeah, he's like, go, go to Metropolis. Go to Metropolis, <laughs> Batman. Just go to Metropolis. Do you bleed? <laughs> that anyway, one? Christian, I'm sorry. I cut you off. What were you saying? Oh, no. I was going to just try to transition into this game's incredible. Um, I don't think it's the first Arkham game. I don't. If you've avoided other Arkham games, I don't think this game is the best entry point for for people that want to get into it, that maybe miss the other ones and have a PS4 or Xbox One. I mean, this game, I think, throws you in. There's a Batmobile tutorial and a little bit of a tutorial, but it really doesn't explain as much uh, of the mechanics that the other games do. Um, but it's beautiful. Uh, the story, there's, there's, a, there's some moments in there that are kind of, it's, yes, predictable if you want to be jumping. It's a comic book story. But I think there are some really great, um, you know, 
slap you upside the head moments in the story that keep things progressing nicely, that keep you invested in the story. The combat is is I feel more powerful as this Batman than I have in other games. Definitely. Which is, which is cool. Like I love it. Like you land into a group of ten and it's like, yeah, easy. Um uh, I'm trying to think what else did I really, really the only my only knock against it in this world that they created is it has a little bit of man of steel in it. Or I know that they've evacuated the city and that this is a doomsday, so to speak, for Gotham City that Batman needs to solve this. But I mean, if he saves the day and everybody comes home, they're coming home to a crater of a city, right? I mean, he's driving <laughs> his car up a skyscraper, just blasting out windows. I, I miss a lot of those drone tanks when I'm shooting my cannon. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Your bodega is now Oops. closed, you know? <laughs> Um, the uh, yeah. Gotham City pie shop is is a, is a hole now. Like, it is oh. it is no more. Yeah, it, but I agree with David. Just I have fun. I get in the car, and for a while after I upgraded my flight and my launch, I would just drive around, zoom, launch, uh, launch the Batmobile, launch out of my Batmobile, fly around, try to call my Batmobile, and then land in it, and just kind of do those fun moments. Um, yeah, I, I know. I think Jeff, you are the least high on this game. I think David. I think you and I are equally very high on this game. Like this is yeah. a super fun game. They've they've well, nailed re- the open world where you can just drive around, like you said, mess around, fly around, do nothing literally. But they have that nice mission selection uh, screen. It's just a little wheel, and you can select all the different types of missions right from there. It's really easy just to jump in and do something. Yeah, I, I really like that. I think that mission structure should be ripped off by a lot of games. Uh, I think that's really a cool way to handle it. I think uh, it, it, it makes everything very clear, and it's not like um, a, lot, a lot of open-world games where you have these 50 things on your map that you can go do at any one time, and there's 50 waypoints, and you're like, oh, which which one am I going to do? I like the, the focus of that, of like, okay, decide on the outset what you're headed toward, and then just make it about that. I think that's cool. Um, I... There- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 there are some cool moments where so Arkham Asylum, the first game of this series, spoiler. I mean, that makes sense because you're in the Arkham Asylum and Joker's running loose and he unlocks the cells of all these other prisoners. But that game felt very much like the comic book hush to me where I loved Asylum, but it was, hey, let's get art for all of these bad guys. Like you fight Killer Croc, uh, Harley, Scarecrow, like everybody's in that game. And it's introduced in a way of, wouldn't it be badass if we had all the villains in this game? Which, you know, whatever. Cool to see, but also becomes redundant at some point. This game, the way they've structured it, I think they do a really good job with introducing the villains. And, and some of them are only in side stories. and Or that side story is maybe part of the main story, but you don't know because it's presented as a side story. Or you're exploring and you run into a mission that you otherwise didn't know existed in a very real, organic way. Um, for how Batman would encounter something like this. And I think they do something, a lot of really, really cool stuff with that. The yep. only knock there is that it's 24 hours or whatever, but really cool in how they present the villains this time. What were you going to say, David? I, I like, how, like you just said, how they you encounter missions in a unique way in this game and you do it like how Batman would do it. So if you select the mission to find the the, kid, the kidnapping victims... You have to actually go look for them. It, it doesn't just appear on your map and you just, you don't go to the, the waypoint and there they are. You got to swing around and, and fly through the sky a little bit and, and listen to 
the, what the criminals are saying. And if they start talking about, it sounds like they're talking about kidnapping, then you, you listen up and then you head over in that direction and check it out. It's really cool. And I don't remember another game doing it in, in this way. Yeah, I, I, the moving around the city to me is the highlight of what Rocksteady has managed to do with Batman. They, they just nail the feeling of being in command of the city. And there's so few open world games where I feel like I have that kind of agency and I have that kind of command over my environment. Oftentimes, too often, I think, there are open world games like Dying Light, for example. And I get it. Dying Light is supposed to be – you're supposed to feel uh, – you know, oppressed and, and scared uh, of zombies. But what I want to feel is that I can go where I want, when I want, how I want. And I, when I think I can go there, I can. And that's so liberating to feel like, oh, okay, I want to go over to this part and leap off and I'm fine. And I don't, you know, it's, I don't, I think they have managed to create a wonderful balance between not feeling too handholdy, but also taking care of the tough stuff for you. You know, if, if yep. you leap onto a thing, you land onto that little ledge, you land there, you're stuck there. It's cool. But it doesn't feel like, oh, it's doing everything for me and I'm not, I'm just, you know, holding a direction and it's running all of that for me. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I have a question for you guys. I want to know how old I am. When you get into some <laughs> of the bigger, the bigger fights, because Christian, you know, like you said, oh, you drop into a room, there's 10 guys. Eventually, I don't know how far you are, but you're dropping into a room with 25 guys and you got to take them all out. My hand, it, like I can't make it through the fight. I have to pause the game <laughs> and like shake it out. And that doesn't sound right to me. Am I pushing it too hard? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's just you me. Ease up on the pushing. It's uh, the it's bat carpal tunnel syndrome. That's what it's, that is. I think I really feel like Batman and I'm just, I'm just jamming it in there. I don't know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did also throw my hands up. Like the first day I got the game, after the first few fights, I would throw my hands up in the air after I won and just cheer. And I did say I am I'm Batman a couple times. I will admit <laughs> That's to that. Rad. That's the best compliment this game could ever get. This yeah. game only on day one. Only on day one. This game hasn't given me that. Uh, I feel like I play pretty fast and loose. Like I, I've talked about it before on this show. I was pretty highly ranked on some of the. Um, combat challenge maps on the last i think it was arkham city um so i feel like i uh i know how to play this game like i'm comfortable on a race course in a car where i'm not white knuckled on the steering wheel i'm playing fast and loose i have had games though where it's like yeah my hand is so tight on the controller and you're just sitting there and then before you know it you take you're it's like holy crap i am definitely doing this wrong like just relax uh take some deep breaths david just keep it loose um, realize I'm that you are Batman. not the Batman. <laughs> you're not the Batman. You can call your I'm parents. Batman. You can see how they're doing. <laughs> right, right. You're right. Do you, you. Speaking of being old, do you, are you old enough to remember the the old uh, arcade cabinets for Street Fighter One? When oh yeah, uh, some of some of them had instead of like jab, strong, fierce, they had one pad, and it depended on how hard you hit the pad, whether it was jab, strong, or fierce. You remember that? Absolutely. It was it was ridiculous. I mean, it was basically unplayable. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. couldn't really control the game like that. But I remember I, it. My, and I think I tried it once or twice and came up with that conclusion. My friend would take off his shoe and just hit the pad with his shoe <laughs> as hard as he could. Uh, those were the days. Those and were the I'm days. Sure, and I'm sure it still worked after that. It worked great, right? I'm <laughs> yeah. Sure yeah. Capcom, after like 100 service calls, were like, uh... <laughs> 
bad idea. People are jumping up and down on the actual cabinet trying to. <laughs> well, I think PlayStation had that right. Like all of the buttons were force feedback, and yeah, there are times where I don't need that. Just give me a nice uh, digital input. I'm hitting it, or I'm not. Not uh, push it I'll harder. Push. <laughs> I'm gonna punch him harder. I'm gonna push it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what can what uh, pad do you use, David, to play? Are you a is it a 360 pad? Yeah, I'm using the 360 pad. I have the Xbox One, two, one also, but I can't. You can't use it wireless yet. So, mm, yeah, I was uh, maybe you're on like some weird Logitech on your PC that isn't no. comfortable. But at least you should be. Yeah, you're playing it wrong. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk lots more about uh, Batman in the in the coming weeks <clears throat> as we work through it. It's a big game, lots to do, and I'm sure we'll be playing it more. I still have to finish Witcher Three, and so I'm torn between those two massively large games. DLC is also sponsored by Hover. When you have a great idea and you want to secure a domain name for it, you want something catchy and memorable to represent your online identity. With Hover, you'll find the perfect domain to bring your idea to life. It's easy. You just search for the domain you want, or you can enter a few keywords, and Hover will show you the best available options and suggestions. They have a huge variety of domain extensions, like .com, .net, .io, and country codes to best suit your needs. You'll get a smart control panel, built-in DNS, and you can even add a custom email or Google Apps if you want as well. Hover offers a valet transfer service to make it as easy as possible to move your domains for no additional cost. And they do all the dirty work to move your domain over from your current registrar. And to top it all off, Hover has real human beings. They're available for support with no wait, no hold, no transfer phone service. So if you have any problems, you just pick up the phone and call and you speak to a human being. So nice. Head over to hover.com slash 5x5 to learn more and get the domain name of your dreams. Thanks to Hover for supporting the show. Hover.com slash 5 by 5 I do have another game I wanted to bring up because, uh, as I said, I was traveling this week. So I played um, some mobile games, including a game. I don't know if you guys have heard about this game. Uh, it's called Her Story. I have. And have you played it? I've heard of it. Is that on mobile? It is. I played it on iPad. Uh, it's I on Steam as well. But it's uh, it's available on iPad. I might be on Android, but I'm not certain. <clears throat> This is a really unique, interesting game. You know, Christian, you always make fun of me for being an advocate for uh, FMV, full motion video in games. If there was any game that proves that FMV can work, it is Sewer Shark. No, just kidding. It is Her Story. <laughs> um, her Story is is a full FMV game. And the idea is that you are logging on. You're, you're a cop or a detective, I guess, is more accurate. Uh, and you're logging onto this database uh, and trying to figure out the the this mystery this murder mystery and you're logging onto this computer database in the police precinct that has logged in hours and hours of video footage of this woman testifying and i guess testifying is the wrong word uh, being debriefed or what's the word i'm looking deposed. for deposed deposed so she's she's you know in um in the you, you see on a million procedural tv shows where you know they're in the room and there's a camera set up and they're the the they're being interviewed by the cops and they're asked to you know go through all of these asked all these questions and go through the timeline and all that stuff so it's basically just video of her side of the conversation you never get to see the questions she's asked and you only get these short little clips of her talking and the way you look at these clips is you search the computer database and each clip has been filed based on a transcript of what she says. So anything she says 
in her disposition is searchable. So if you search murder, then all the clips where she uses the word murder come up. Uh, and basically what you start doing is you start watching these little clips and they're, you know, less than a minute. They can be up to two and a half minutes long, but they're relatively short. And you're watching this this real actress who is playing this role uh, talk about herself and the crime. And you don't really have context because you, you don't hear the question that she's asked. But you start putting it together and piecing together the story of what happened. And then you hear her mention something like the guy that is dead. And you type his name into the search engine. And then it comes up with all the times she's mentioned his name. But sometimes it'll have like 17 results of videos, but you only get the first five. And they come up in chronological order of when she gave the disposition because she comes in multiple times and has different uh, conversations with them and is dressed differently and looks differently. Uh, So you only get the first five. So sometimes she'll say something really important, but you have to find the correct, very specific search term to get the later versions of what she says to find out more information. And so you're really listening and you're really paying attention to how she's dressed, what she's doing, her, her manner of speaking, what she might be giving away and coming up with new things to search for and piecing together this mystery. It's a game unlike anything I've ever played before. And it really does convey this sense of, you know, being a detective or more accurately sort of, the thing we all imagined ourselves doing when we were listening to Serial, the podcast, um, or watching The Jinx on HBO, where it's like, I'm the one who's figuring out the truth of what happened by watching this person or listening to this person who had something to do with it. It's really interesting and something I I really recommend. I've, I've been playing it for hours, and it's so thrilling when you find a search term and what will happen is it'll pull up a series of videos, right? And it'll show you whether you've watched them before or not. So when you find a search term and you pull up videos and there's a few in there that you haven't watched yet, so you found new ones, it's really thrilling. It's like, oh my gosh, a new piece of, inter- uh, of, of, of information, of, of, um, of a lead, you know, that I can follow up. And because it's these multiple sessions of her talking – and they're wildly different and come from different timelines. And sometimes she's like got a guitar, like the police brought a guitar in and had her play oh, a song. You went through it's her like, guitar phase. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool, man. It's really interesting. I feel like uh, I had this job for seven years and I quit it. And the only difference is before you get to that, you would do four years of doc review. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And then you bring the people in for depots. And in real life, their stories aren't changing because they're... Uh, you know, being helpful or remembering things. Their stories are changing because humans' memories are garbage. <laughs> and they're like, right, oh, that's the yeah. truth. And you're like, well, you said this last time. I don't know. I'm doing the best I can, man. It was four years ago. Oh, you got a guitar? Here's this Coldplay song, bro. And then you're <laughs> listening to Coldplay covers for an hour. <laughs> is it well F&B'd or is it yeah. okay but kind of eye-rolly? Well, the idea is that it's, this all happened in like the 90s. So, oh, um so it's it's like bad, uh, you know, VHS quality video, but that's in keeping with the theme and story. And so it, it all it all works and makes sense. I think the hardest thing about this is finding this actress that can pull it off. And you know, I think she does a, a very admirable job. There are times when it feels a little actory, but and she's also asked to do some things. I mean, this is this is serial mixed with a pulp murder novel. You know, it's not it, it's got some sort of uh, over the top elements to it, which is, which is fine. You know, it, it makes for a more uh, thrilling discovery process when you're like, Oh wow. I, you know, I, 
it's you know it's not really based grounded in reality but it's also it's i mean it's not supernatural or anything like that it it's just sort of pulpy you know it's sort of like grand murder schemes and stuff like that but um but she does a really great job and 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 really it rises and falls with her performance so it it's all on her she's the only one you ever see and you watch a lot of her so it has to feel believable and you sort of have to get like, I don't know how they did it. I don't know if she improvised a lot of it or if it was all written out, but uh, she does a great job. And the the game is so interesting in that it, it doesn't hold your hand at all. It literally just throws you in. It says search for stuff. And that's kind of all the game is, like search for stuff and figure it out. And you're, you know, you're you're really required to actually pay attention and actually listen. It's It's very not gamey. It feels more authentic to the kind of experience that it's trying to provide. I'm into that. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, you should. Again, it's called Her Story, H-E-R-S-T-O-R-Y, and uh, it's on Steam and also on – I played it on iPad. Uh, It was a perfect iPad game because I just threw my headphones in. I was on the plane uh, flying up to Tahoe, and, um, man, it was was riveting. I was was really into it. Um, Any other games you guys have been playing lately? Mm. No, it's all all Batman Batman all the time. (laughs) Pretty much all Batman, yeah. Because Christian, and I see that I see you have Heroes of the Storm on here. I just thought maybe you wanted to bring. Well, yeah, and waiting for Batman, I dove back into Arkham Blackgate, the Vita game. It still ugh, had so much potential, but isn't doesn't realize it. Um, I have played some Hots now, Jeff, and yeah, dude, yeah, dude, what? yeah. Well, I, I want to spend even more time with this uh, game and more time talking with you about it. My initial takeaway is it's very well put together. Um, did not hook me in any way, shape, or form. And hearing, I'm glad that you love it, but I, I don't, I mean, it's, um, it's capture the flag and call of duty from a different perspective. And to ha- have me say it requires slower muscles, it's, it's not less twitchy than a first person shooter per se. Um, I guess I, what I don't understand, and I don't know, David, if you've been bitten by the MOBA bug. I tried I just, it. I tried heroes. Did it grab, I don't understand. Let me get the, the I don't understand how like. People, this is amazing. This is the best thing ever. Where it's just, it's the same thing people have been doing for years. It's just now we're playing top down and not first person. I don't, I don't get it. So, David, did it, you weren't grabbed by MOBAs? No, I think it's the same thing as the other ones, but they have a tutorial now. This one has a tutorial. That's the difference, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true or not, but, well, um, I mean, no, I th- it didn't, it didn't grab me. I mean, it seemed like, like you said, it seemed like a fine game. It seemed like it was uh, well made, but I don't know that for me, like, I'm looking for a game like that. You know, yeah, I just, I, be, I don't think it's for me. That might be true for me. Like, Jeff, I don't understand. I mean, is it just for some, you know, again, I'm not knocking the game. I, I, I'm just trying to understand, like, is it, this just grabbed you in a way that um, Capture the Flag or Team Fortress 2 or uh, Counter-Strike didn't because of the perspective change or it's similar enough to a Diablo with the with the clicking that somehow that, you know, makes you feel good and releases the... Yeah, it's clicking. Brain. It's all clicking. If I, if I can just click on stuff, that's why I like cookie clicker so well, much. Well, that's what uh, I'm saying, though. I mean, there's people, there is something rewarding about that. You cl- tactile click, you get the thing, you see the thing. I mean, <laughs> people keep making these games and we keep playing them. But like, what is it without going super deep, if possible? Like, how does this game grab you in a way that other team based, if you're playing with friends, cooperative, go get the base? capture the flag type things didn't before like what is it about heroes that is the thing 
I, I, you know, I think that people are finding the joy in lots of these kinds of games. Uh, League of Legends, of course, is is hugely popular in Dota as well. And and then I I can you know bring up very specific details as to why this works for me and not those games. Uh, or more than those games. But I think in a more general terms, if you're asking me why this MOBA uh, grabbed me more than, say, Counter-Strike or a first-person shooter, you know, I mentioned before that I feel like teamwork is is easier to achieve and feels more like teamwork when you're dealing with it from this third-person high perspective. You know, if you're looking at it from this isometric perspective, I'm able to see what all my teammates are doing all the time. I can pop around the minimap and easily see what's going on when, you know, I'm in a first person shooter. Yeah. Teamwork is required to be effective at counter-strike, et cetera. But I don't feel like I'm as connected to what the team is doing at all times as I am when I'm playing from the perspective that these MOBA games are generally made in. Also, I I think that just saying it's capture the flag it doesn't really hit at what is so compelling for me. And I, you know, uh, Blizzard talks about um, heroes not as a MOBA but as a brawler. And I think for me, that's what's so fun about it is the the, the team fights. Certainly, that the team mechanics of group leveling and all that stuff uh, are are fun. And I find that they separate it from a, a League of Legends or a Dota. But it's the team brawling that I, I find to be so engaging and so different from any kind of experience I've ever had in a first-person shooter. You know, some first-person shooters have added in healer modes or have added in, you know, uh, classes. Certainly Team Fortress has classes that have all kinds of different utility in a, in a match. But I've never experienced a game until these MOBAs that used a variety of character traits, character abilities, um, the synergies of how those all play against each other and work with each other and how I can play a part in my team by stunning an enemy and then they can come in and and drop a big attack or I can, you know, I can heal in the the exact right moment or move a character or body block a character. Uh, There's, there's so much fun team dynamic in the brawls themselves. That is to me what is so fun. And the fact that I will never get, perfect at this game. I, I w- there's always something for me to actually work on skill-wise. There's always something that I can do better, I can see better. I mean, for me, it's more like a sport. It's more like basketball, where I can always improve my skill set. There's always something in a match that I could have done better. And while that is true for first-person shooters and other you know team-based games, I feel like because it's there's really isn't a way for me to be solo guy. I, you know, I tweeted this week that, um, hots is, is difficult because one player can sink a team, but it's very difficult for one player to carry a team. And I think that that to me is, is the double-edged sword of what makes it so compelling. Like it's frustrating when one guy goes off and does his own thing and screws up the team, but it's so fun to be part of that well-oiled machine and have everybody clicking and working on all cylinders and working together that is what's so fun for me about these games what was the last game david that grabbed you that was a big multiplayer game have you had one like an addiction where you i think you said and you talked about um oh man what's the it's the jetpack game um oh tribes tribes was that the last was that the last one og tribes or or do you get hooked every now and again I I played some of the I I was into the Call of Duty games for a while, but then when they started coming out every year, it just gets to be too much. So I sort of stopped playing those. Um, 
I, I, I play actually, you know, competitive in terms of a competitive game. I play uh, NHL, the NHL series, oh, you know, one versus one online. That's pretty much the only mode I play. Um, but that's yeah, I, I just this just the MOBA thing. I don't get the MOBA thing. I think like you, Christian, it's just not I'm not looking for that type of competitive game where I have to study. <laughs> I don't want to study. I think that's it. Well, you already well, do you done find studying for NHL by years of being a hockey fan. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm invested. Yeah. Do you find that when you play NHL competitively that you're actually getting better as a player? Yeah, you definitely get better. You, you learn what works for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I find that that's – I mean I guess you can get better at playing Batman Arkham Knight, right? You can get better at your combos uh, and you know keep a higher combo meter longer – uh, string, you know, combo string, whatever. But I don't think the, as much as I love these games, I love narrative based games. I am so into great AAA narrative games that have a beginning, middle and end and tell me a story and provide me a really interesting world to play around in. Yes. I love the Witcher. I love, you know, I'm into role playing games, all that stuff, but it's just in the last couple of years that I have gotten hooked on this feeling of improving my skill set. Not my avatar's skill set. My actual ability to play the game is demonstrably improving. And I think that is what is so addictive to me about it. Like, I, you know, I, I can't really get much better at playing Diablo. Diablo is, is a loot-based game. I will get better loot and I will be better. Same with WoW to a certain extent. But well, it- with MOBAs, you actually improve... Your play, your ability to work with a team, your your decision making, is what is the differentiator. There's a there are I don't know if Diablo has this I forget I think one of the updates maybe did give it but I think where the other types of games have these is is in Batman and this one it's you know the AR modes or the challenge rooms where that's but and I get it I get that feeling that's what hooked me in City with the the combat challenge maps is it was the same waves of people every time and the only difference was you know batman skill sets you don't unlock things as the challenge goes on you come in with this character and how you string them together is is you know how you pull it off and it's it's leaderboarding right i mean any game that has a leaderboard is then based on your skill as a player better getting better going back to pac-man or for talking good games miss pac-man um i mean isn't that the same and again i'm not no, trying to, it's not the same because it's there's a winner when you play a game if you're playing a MOBA or you're playing you know a sports game against somebody online there's a winner and there's a loser and at the end of the game someone's going to be yay and someone's going to be like oh I just wasted <laughs> 20 minutes I just lost. <laughs> and that's the problem with like those MOBA games are long right I mean how long does a match last well that's what's so great about Hots is that they're about 20 minutes it's much shorter than Dota or oh, okay. Because I used to play StarCraft and like the first one, and right. you know those th- you'd you'd play for like forty five minutes, and I wasn't good, but I'd play online against other people, and you play for forty five minutes, you build up your whole space town, and then they roll <laughs> through with the, the, the destroyer, and you're like, oh, I just wa- like why am I wasting my life? Like it's my dumb. space town, <laughs> right? It's exactly I just you know it's like an hour of my life. I just and now I, and now I have to watch it get destroyed i can't just pull the plug i have to sit and it takes like 10 minutes for the guy to roll over it so it's just like, yeah it crushed my soul basically well, david what's like going that. on up there <laughs> <I'm fine. laughs> 
like this 10 minute long boo. Like the other guy's just like, like a uh, ode to joy is playing on this other guy's computer. <laughs> it's just uh, it's rough. infinite sounds of sadness. <laughs> uh, coloring in the chat room says that uh, he thinks it's funny that I don't have, seem to have the imagination for how other games offer the same feeling as, as hots. And I, I don't think that I, I, I'm sad if that's the impression that I'm giving. I, I'm trying to speak from a very personal place of my discovery of that feeling. I have no doubt that people have found that with, you know, arcade fighting games, have found that with um, any number of first-person shooters, Destiny, for example. I'm sure people feel that way about. Uh, I'm just saying my discovery of, of this is tied to this particular game. I'm, not really. I mean, I was sort of already on that path. Like, that's how I discovered... I enjoyed playing Dark Souls uh, 2, which is is the first of those games that I really discovered a joy with. And I'm not saying that that Heroes of the Storm is is better for you. It just happens to be better for me. Um, so take that for what you will. I'm just ex- explaining my journey down this, you know, this this road of self discovery and, and sort of what I like about video games now. And maybe that'll change as I go forward. But I I'm just enjoying this particular game and sharing my feelings about it. That's all. Which please know I love and support. And I'm, I, I think I wasn't trying to come across as negative on hot. like I went and I tried it. I would play it some more. And I, for me, it's an almost an academic interest of, huh, this isn't clicking with me. And it, it really clicks with so many people and one person I know and am good friends with. And I, I love trying to understand that stuff. Like what is it about this game design that just doesn't speak to me? Um, and of course it's, you know, ultimately we're all different people, but, um, I find stuff like that fascinating. Yeah. Adam Sessler and I had a discussion about this at E3. He and I were working together on some, some things. And, um, you know, he was saying that based on how he has always been as a gamer and to a certain extent, how I've always been as a gamer is the same way that we, we're trying to play everything, right? We're trying to move on to the next thing and experience it all. And, and, and ingest all of what gaming has to offer that there really isn't room for one very deep experience. And I've just gotten to the point where I'm making conscious effort to try to have that deep experience and finding the real joy in it because I've had so much feedback from people over the years that have gotten really deep into one particular game or another. And I've envied that level of, of commitment and level of appreciation. And while I'm still, you know, trying to experience everything and play, you know, finish as many games as I can. There is one game now that has got its hooks in me and I like the fact that I'm good at it. I like the fact that I am improving my skill at it and that I'm having this very deep experience with it. So if I could just, I know we've already talked about this too much real quick to cheapy. What did you think? I don't know. We talked about it on, uh, on our show at all. I know you were at E3. Does NHL 16 excite you? Yeah, it's looking good. You know, the last one, they just, they, it wasn't really, they didn't have time to make a next-gen game. So it was missing a lot of features, but then now they have more time. So the 16 is the game that 15 should have been. Uh, but it, I played a bunch of it. It's looking good. Cool. And even the 15, which people hate, I still play. <laughs> I still play a lot of that. It didn't stop me at all. So It was your only option, right? I mean, it was hot. Yeah, what am I going to do, not play? So, of course, I'm going to play. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I meant to mention this earlier in the show, and I'll mention it again at the end. But I, I've had some feedback in the forums in the on our um, subreddit 
of people having suggestions about the, about the show, and I always appreciate that and welcome that. And one of the things I took from that feedback that I want to implement, and I think Christian and I are both on the same page on this, is um, a, a a much more robust feedback system uh, for the show. We used to have calls that kind of didn't work just technically. It didn't work well. But I'd love to have a an email question section where you, know, you can bring up topics and put your opinion out into the show and we can discuss it more deeply. So starting this week, I would love for people to take more advantage of our email. It's at uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Send in questions and we'd like to have a, a full dedicated segment to dealing with topics and, and ideas that you guys might want to bring to the show uh, you know, you can always bring those up in the subreddit as well, but, uh, the best way to get it to us is dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We have to thank our other sponsor, MetaCDN. MetaCDN gives you enterprise-level live streaming at an entry-level price. MetaCDN's super-fast network makes it so you can stream crisp HD video. Their global coverage of broadcast nodes and publishing points ensures that MetaCDN streams have very low latency. This allows you to engage with your user base in real time. Their players are not only fully customizable, but completely unbranded and mobile compatible. What happens if you have an increase in viewers in one month? (laughs) Don't worry. Your leftover credits are rolled over into the next month. MetaCDN cares about the protection of your content, so they give you the power to restrict your live streams to certain website domains. You can also serve pre-recorded videos through their content delivery network with no buffering. And on top of all that... They give you detailed analytics and just so much more. So visit metacdn.com slash 5x5 and use the code 5x5 for a 10% discount for life. That's for life. metacdn.com slash 5x5 and the promo code 5x5, 10% off for life. Uh, All right, guys. So let's move on, uh, carve out a little bit of time because we haven't had it. Uh, for a couple of weeks now because of E3. Let's carve out a little tabletop time. Right now, right now. Hey, David, do you play board games? Uh, I used to, but I have yeah. not recently. I have uh, Cards Against Humanity like everybody else. I guess that doesn't really count. Well, I guess it kind of does. It, I think it opened people's minds to sort of modern board game design and and what what you know what that world is like out there. So I think a lot of people that are playing Cards Against Humanity are open to to more of the games that I like to talk about, the designer board games. Um, oh, I don't play it. I just bought it. <laughs> Everybody else bought it, so I figured I should buy it too. I played it once, <laughs> to be honest. It does get a little stale pretty quickly just because the, the shock value can wear off. But what, what are the games you used to play? I'm curious about that. Oh, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons. Just, does yeah? that count as, I mean, just the old that school Dungeons and Dragons. absolutely counts. Yeah. Star Tell me a Frontiers. little bit about your experience playing that when you were, when you were a kid or when you were an adult. Uh, I believe we started playing in elementary school. I think fifth grade. We, I had a friend who actually had the stuff and figured out how to play it because fifth grade, I think... You don't really know what's going on, and there's a lot of rules. But I remember having a thief in fifth grade named Robbie the Robber, and <laughs> he wasn't that great, probably. But I played from probably fifth grade through high school, and uh, so not you know not like every weekend or anything like that. But right. we even tried Star Frontiers, which was the the space version of Dungeons and Dragons, which awesome. was which was actually pretty cool. But 
that never really took off. Um, but that's pretty much the only, the only two. Do you, do you have kids, David? I have a seven year old. Do, do you, would you play Dungeons and Dragons with him or her? I don't know. Is, is it? Yeah. He's a boy. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. play video games together. Um, actually we played, we played, uh, one of the card games that I buy Hanabi. Oh, Hanabi. Yeah. That's a great game. Uh, we play that and that you can actually play with a seven year old. If you explain it a bunch, <laughs> you can actually yes. get a game going. Uh, that was, that's actually a great game. That was, that's really fun. Yeah, Hanabi is a is a cool cooperative game because you, you you have knowledge of everybody else's hand except your own, right? And so you're, uh, exactly. you're trying to communicate to the person uh, whose turn it is what they should be doing with their hand because you know what they have, uh, and then you're trying to you know you're trying to create these strings of cards together without knowing what you should be playing, but everybody else has to communicate that to you. Uh, really, really fun game. I imagine I can only imagine playing that with a seven-year-old, though. <laughs> it's not that hard. Once you explain that concept, like you just, like you just did, and you have to do it a couple times, it may sink in. It may not. <laughs> but it, you can play right. with your family. It's very fun. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I, as I said, I was uh, traveling with my family for my mom's birthday this weekend, and my sister uh, and her, my nephews, her two sons, were there. They're five and ten, so I had a lot of experience playing uh, games with. Uh, with around that same age, a couple of boys. And, um, I was a little disappointed because for Christmas this year, I took it upon myself to give them like really good games for their age. I, I gave the five-year-old this game called Mondo, which is a, a car racing game that is totally great for that age. And I gave the older one, um, um, what's it called? Uh, um, Oh my gosh, my brain isn't working. Uh, uh, the island game. Um, it's a cooperative game. My brain stopped working. Anyway, they um, they didn't bring either of those games with them. The games that I gave to them, uh, they brought sorry. <laughs> they brought sorry. That which was a I was way to like, apologize oh. to you. I played yeah, a lot of sorry when I was younger. Right. So did I. I think everybody did, but I haven't played it in a long time because it's sort of in that Milton Bradley Ameritrash category for me you know with a monopoly and all the games all the games that everybody knows about and parcheesi and candyland and all that sort of garbage uh ameritrash games but i played a lot of sorry over the weekend with my nephews because that's the game they wanted to play <laughs> and i gotta admit i you know it wasn't that bad it was actually kind of fun and there's actually i don't know if this was always the case and i just didn't know about it or if it's a more modern add-on but there's actually uh alternate rules in sorry for adult play where instead of, I don't know if you guys remember, sorry, but basically you flip a card over and whatever that card says to do, you do. So there's really no, it's all just pure luck. It's like, hmm. move forward two spaces. Okay, I get to do that. There are some decision making, you know, when you get to do a sorry, you get to decide who you do it to or against or whatever. Um, but the alternate rules for adults is you get a hand of cards and you choose which card to play. So that actually turns it into a not a terrible game. Um, <laughs> That's cool. I mean, yeah, it was kind of fun. And, and, uh, you know, these, these classic games, at least, at least my nephews were super into playing board games. Um, and hopefully they'll, they'll return to, uh, to the more sort of designer games that I love. You can't, but, uh, Forbidden you can't Island. shepherd, you can't shepherd kids into what you want them to do. It's like, yeah, I can shut two, up <laughs> Two basketball players. Like an NBA and WNBA will have to get together and they'll have a kid and that kid will create the next Minecraft. You know what? It just doesn't, right. it doesn't work out. You, I, picture, I picture you guys at this thing and like, you're like, let's play some board games. And your 
Uh, and if she's like, yeah, and they get it out and they take out sorry. And you're just like, son of, and, oh, Jeff's drunk again, kids. Let's all go in the bathroom <laughs> while Jeff works. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not uh, exactly how it goes down. But, you know, I played it with them because <laughs> they were into it and we we had a good time. And, and it's like, yeah, you know, I can be pretty elitist about my, you know, my de- designer board games. And again, Forbidden Island is the word I couldn't, the game I couldn't remember. Thank you, chat room. Um, but, uh, Anyway, so I thought, you know, if you're in America, 4th of July is coming up. I thought I'd mention a few games. If you want to try to bring them out uh, at a, you know, a barbecue or something, I might be a, a, a few games to suggest for 4th of July weekend. Or if you're in Canada, Canada Day is July 1st. Uh, sorry, rest of the world listening. But uh, I just thought I'd mention a few games you might want to try. I, I always recommend, I think the, the greatest party game of all, of all time is still Wits and Wagers. It's a game that anybody can wrap their head around. Uh, Wits and Wagers by North Star Games is a trivia game where it doesn't matter if you actually know the answers. And and that's the, the most brilliant thing. People dislike Trivial Pursuit because it makes you feel dumb. Wits and Wagers actually doesn't make you feel dumb. It makes everybody feel dumb equally, and it's all still fun. Uh, it's uh, it's a game where you, you you know you have these trivia questions, and the answer is always a number, and you can just estimate what you think the number might be, and then everybody gets to bet their chips in the game based on which player they think got closest to the right answer. And the odds change depending on the, you know, the array of numbers. It's so easy. It's so accessible and it's really, really fun. It, it takes the pain out of, out of uh, trivia games. So that's one I always like to bring out uh, at these kinds of barbecue events. Cause it, it, it plays really well. You need some table space, but uh, it's fun. And um, I don't know if there's a couple of other great Fourth of July games. There's some there's some fun themed uh, America Revolutionary War games that are kind of fun. There's a game called Democracy that actually comes with a gavel uh, that, that you can play. Um, keep that away from your part, drunk friends, right? Keep that away from your drunk friends. That are, people will have knots on the top of them. <laughs> right. the yeah, you're uh, out of order. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then a game uh, that I think is really easy to play in a large group because it doesn't take much table space at all, uh, although it will lead to arguments in the best possible way, is The Resistance. So if you haven't played The Resistance before, uh, that's a game from Indie Boards and uh, Cards and Boards, something like that. Um, it's a game where uh, you lie to your friends for fun. It's uh, groups of people, uh, and you don't know whether you are a um, – it's kind of like Werewolf. Have you ever played Werewolf or One Night Ultimate Werewolf? You don't know whether – uh, the, anybody else is a spy or uh, a good guy, and uh, the spies are trying to undermine the quest that you go on, and the good guys are trying to ferret out who the spies are, and you vote in a series of rounds as as to whether these quests are going to be uh, successful or not. So the spies are trying to make them unsuccessful, and just by trying to ferret out these, this hidden vote um, you end up accusing people of being spies that aren't. You end up lying if you are the spy, uh, Really, really fun, uproarious fun, uh, and there's a lot of different versions of it now. There's like a sword and sorcery version. There's a, a futuristic space-time version. Um, so it's called The Resistance, and it's a, it's a game I recommend for 4th of July. All right, dudes. Um, that's going to wrap it up. We'll do um, more uh, tabletop time next week, and I'll have some more games that I've been playing. Just got a new shipment in from Tasty Minstrel of some fun games. And Christian, I'd love you and I to get together and play some two-player games because I want to do a whole like two-player episode coming up. Let's soon. do it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, but thank you uh, 
David, for being here with us. Tell the people where they can follow up on your exploits this week. People, listen up. I am. <laughs> you can uh, listen to the CADcast. It's available on iTunes and everywhere else. Uh, and visit CheapAssGamer.com uh, for all the latest video game deals. Thank you. Awesome. Um, we will have a parting gift coming up uh, soon. But first, Christian, tell the people what uh, – and uh, address them as the people. I think that's the best part. Um, tell them what's going on with you this week. So I need the gavel. I will now strike <laughs> said gavel. Um Friday is trifecta at UCB Sunset Improv versus Standup is next Thursday, not this week, but next Thursday at UCB Franklin, both in Los Angeles. And then I do a couple of other podcasts, one um, uninformed opinions with a uh, you might know him from this podcast, uh, the CADcast that uh, Stuart and I, a.k.a. Wombat and I do where we just talk dumb stuff for 20 minutes. I think this week's is going to be me hating on agents of shield season two, which he was like, it's so much better than one. You got to watch it. It's not, it's not good. Uh, <laughs> he was wrong again. eh? <laughs> that's the real, that's a subtitle. And then uh, Dean Del Rey and I do a show on all things comedy called bitchin where it's, if you want to call in, it's we record live Tuesdays at two uh, 30 and you can call in. We'll talk about whatever you want. I think the last one that went up, it was Dean, uh, Jim Florentine and I talking rock and um, some great shows that we had been to growing up and the difference between a, uh, a rage against the machine mosh pit and some of the newer mosh pits. <laughs> uh, that's, that's kind of it. Jeff, what's going on with you, sir? Well, I've always got the slash film cast talking movies. Uh, this week we're talking about a really interesting movie called dope. And then of course so we'll be talking about, uh, have you seen it? I did. I did. It's amazing. Yeah. In I was my very opinion. impressed. I don't want to spoil well. your slash film cast, but yeah, I love it. Not that. at all. Not at all. Um, and then we're going to do Terminator Genesis after that. So keep, tuned to slashfilmcast.com for those episodes. Also, We Have Concerns is my comedy science show with Anthony Carboni. Uh, we just did a fun episode with Greg Miller from Kind of Funny Vids. Uh, you should check that out and the special patron-only bonus episode, which is really amazing where Greg talks about getting cancer, which is crazy. Um, but we have lots of uh, funny new episodes coming out this week as well. That's wehaveconcerns.com for that. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, we're first, though, going to give you a parting gift to get you through to the next episode. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. David, do you have something, uh, maybe not a video game, something to recommend that can get people through the week until the next episode of DLC? I do. I, actually, it's specifically for you guys, uh, but also Ooh. your listeners too. Have you guys ever been to the 4DX theater in LA? <laughs> no, I've heard, I have many friends that have done, I have friends that like save specific movies like San Andreas just for that theater. Dude, um, you, but I you have to go, you have to go see Jurassic Park if it's still there. <laughs> it is the most fun that I've had at a movie theater I can't even tell you since when it was, I was by the end of have you, the movie's ridiculously horrible, but when the whole thing is shaking, it's just, it's, it takes it to a whole new level. By the end of the movie, I was crying. My, my tears were coming out of my eyes. I was laughing so hard because the end is even more ridiculous than the, <laughs> just the right. general plot of the movie. Um, I, I think it, I think it's 
better than VR. I think it's the, the best thing ever. <laughs> this That's the only theater in America, by the way, that has 4DX. Yep. So it's not the only just one. a, it's not just D-Box. I've done D-Box, but nope, I don't know nope. what this is. Okay. The difference but 4DX is, has like fog and rain and all kinds of crazy stuff thrown at you, right? It blows air to the back of your head, to the back of your legs. The seat will like kick you in the back. It, the seat, the seat tilts at different angles. So when there's like the a theater will scene, beat you up. It does. It, it actually, it does. So like there's a scene in the movie where the pterodactyls come and the thing's just blowing air at your face and it's exhausting. You're like, no, stop, stop. It's amazing. You have to go see it and you have to talk about it on, on one of your podcasts. Cause I think it was like the best thing that I saw during E3 week. Now I got to do All right. that. Uh, Mr. Big in the chat brought up the fact that, that Peter Serretta came on the Slash Filmcast and talked about 4DX one time. And we, we made fun of him a lot because he went and saw Transformers 4 in okay. 4DX. And uh, he was like, it's amazing. And we're like, are we talking about the same movie? Uh, it, but maybe it's... maybe it just makes a bad movie so yes. much better. That's it. That is exactly <laughs> it. So that's the 4DX theater in, in Los Angeles. Yes. Uh, yeah. Christian, what is your parting gift? If people are are hot on that Batman train, some uh, people ask from time to time. I'm not the most comic booky guy, but I have a good general knowledge. And people are looking to dive more in. Here are some Bat books I can suggest: Batman Earth One, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. It's a now common take on the Alfred character, but I think it's interesting and refreshing to read for someone doing something very cool and interesting with uh, a new take on a very long beloved character as Alfred. Batman and the Monster Men, Matt Wagner. Um, Hugo Strange has been featured in the Arkham video games, and I think Batman and the Monster Men is one of the best, and in my opinion, really only good story featuring Hugo Strange, who isn't a character I love. Um, but Batman and the Monster Men do it well. And then it, it's not no longer the current Batgirl, because after Convergence, DC's big current event, um, Batgirl is now different again. But I really, really, really enjoyed the, I think it's only 40, maybe 50 episodes. You can find them digitally. The take of Batgirl and the new 52, I think is an excellent take on Batgirl. And that's the costume that Arkham Knight will be using whenever her um, four minute $20 DLC comes comes out. But the 52 version of Batgirl with Barbara Gordon uh, stepping back into the role, I think is a phenomenal read. So those are some Bat books. Good bad books, man. Uh, I have a kind of a silly suggestion. Uh, have you guys tried figs? <laughs> figs are delicious. Uh, I've recently gotten into figs. Um, as I said, we were traveling, and so I, you know, I, I was eating really, really well on vacation. Uh, figs are so good, you guys. First of all, I found this fig spread that you can find in like where the fancy cheeses are. I don't know if this is only a California thing or if figs are available everywhere, but. <laughs> <laughs> Are they? I don't know because yes. it's fig season right no, now. Like some places yeah. only get fig newtons, but uh, most places you can get actual figs. <laughs> no, do not judge figs by fig newtons, please. Uh, there's this fig spread that I get that's amazing, but even better than this. Check this <laughs> recipe out, right? Toast some bread, toast some bread, rub some garlic on it, right? Then spread a thin layer of mascarpone cheese, then prosciutto, then figs, raw, cut up figs on top. Put that in the oven for like not very much time at all. Just warm it up, let the cheese melt. Pop it out. Holy smokes. It's the best bruschetta fig thing you'll ever have. You're welcome. So that's going to make your summer so much more delicious. Oh, my gosh, guys. Figs. Who knew? <laughs> it's good for your this poop, This message too. brought to you by the Fig Council. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all right, guys, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thank you to David Abrams, Christian Spicer. Thank you to all the folks at 5 by 5 for making this show possible. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all the sh- folks in the chat room. You guys are the best. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>